2: Zumo Zumo Play.
3: This is Paris. Hey guys, I want to do a pod post because something super important just happened. I flew back to Utah and I went to the Capitol building and I was there a few months ago testifying and I was super nervous, but this time I was so excited to go back. So after all of our hard work, our bill was passed: SB127. So I went there. The governor was there, the mayor, all the senators, the legislators, basically, everyone from Utah was there, and we had a ceremonial bill signing. And it was just just such a proud moment just to be up there. Of course, I got nervous and shy when I did my speech, but just seeing them sign that bill and knowing what it's going to do was just one of the most empowering moments of my life. Just to know that I literally made history and this is going to change the lives of so many children now and in the years to come. So for those of you who don't know what this bill entails, basically everything that happened to me back when I was a teenager would be illegal today. Again, I was so nervous and shy doing this speech but it was just so important and I just had so many tears in my eyes because before I went up, the governors and the senators all gave their speeches and just listening to what they were saying about me in every speech just made me super emotional and I just had so many emotions and was just excited, I was happy, I was proud. It was just such a magical moment and in my wildest dreams, like when I was a little girl, I would never have thought that this would have been possible. So I'm going to read something to you guys that I wrote last night. I just get a little nervous and emotional when I'm talking about this. So it just kind of makes it easier for me sometimes just to write my thoughts down. So here we go. (laughs) I traveled to Utah in February to testify in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, something I had never done before. I gave a speech on my experience, urging Utah lawmakers to take this issue seriously. They listened. It was passed unanimously through the committee, then the full Senate, and then passed in the House. And yesterday was the final step. The governor and lieutenant governor signed the bill into law, and I was so honored to be able to witness this historic moment. I stood in the beautiful Capitol building with the governor, lieutenant governor, and the sponsors of the bill, Senator McKell, and Representative Brammer. In the audience was Senate President Stuart Adams, who was very outspoken in support of the bill the whole time. Additional survivors who testified with me the month before Oregon State Senator Sarah Gessler, who flew into support. She is the biggest ally to this movement. My fiance Carter, who has been the most incredible supporter of my advocacy work and always encourages me to fight for what's right. And my impact producer, Rebecca Mellinger. It was so surreal to be in a room with the leaders who made my dreams of protecting kids in Utah a reality. This bill, as of yesterday's signing, protects over 6,000 kids from abuse every year in the state. Here is my speech. It was so exciting to be back in Utah for my ceremonial bill signing for SB 127. It's a law that finally regulates treatment centers for youth in Utah. This is the first true regulation of this industry ever. I'm so proud to have been a part of this legislative process from start to finish. Back in October, I hosted a rally so that the survivor community could stand in solidarity against the troubled teen industry. We silently marched past Provo Canyon School, the school I was abused at and bravely held signs that said, I see you, survivor, and pointed them at the kids inside the lockdown facility now. It was the most amazing day, and I felt such a sense of community from all the survivors. I was so happy and excited when it got the attention of Utah Senator McKell. He reached out to us wanting to collaborate on a bill to regulate the troubled teen industry. Over the next few months, I, alongside Breaking Code Silence, worked with him, and our survivor voices were heard. This bill is so important and it's an incredible step towards change. But it doesn't stop there. I announce that we'll be continuing this fight in all 50 states to enact laws that require best practices in these facilities as well as reporting and pushing our federal bill, the Child Abuse Prevention for Youth and Congregate Care Act. The federal government can no longer push this issue to the side. Instead, I urge them to make the issue a priority this session. No more youth should die in the name of treatment. The day didn't stop after the bill signing. We had the opportunity to have dinner and speak with Utah Representative John Curtis himself, as well as Senator Romney and Representative Owens' teams at dinner. I'm grateful that the state legislature of Utah and its federal representatives recognize the injustice and mistreatment happening at these facilities. And I'm so glad that they all have been so receptive to our goals and willing to fight for us, which is really empowering as a survivor. Our voices are finally being heard, and I will fight for all survivors and kids currently in these facilities. To Provo Canyon School and Universal Health Services, although there are now regulations to finally protect kids in your care, I will still be keeping my eye on you. I've stepped into my role as an outspoken advocate for youth who have been institutionalized, and I'm not going anywhere. Hundreds of survivors who have went to Provo in recent years have come out about the abuses they endured. You continue to not take accountability for your actions or correct your wrongdoing. To all those listening, I will not let them hide behind their statements. If you care about institutionalized children in our country, of which there are currently at 120,000 at least, reach out to me to discuss solutions. I promise to do everything in my power to protect these vulnerable youth.
4: This is Paris.
3: So I wanted to bring on Rebecca Mellinger. She's my impact producer, just to talk about this with me. Everyone meet Rebecca.
6: Hi, I'm happy to be here.
3: So for those of my listeners who don't know what an impact producer is, can you please describe
6: it for us? Absolutely. So an impact producer is the person who helps facilitate and strategically design an impact campaign for any type of movement or anything that you want to do in terms of the social change realm. So when Paris came to me to say that she wanted to really make an impact in the troubled teen industry space, we strategically designed together with her voice and her support what that could look like. And so for us, that was a social media movement to raise awareness. It was finding mental health support for survivors and then also pursuing policy change.
3: Well, thank you so much. Like I could not have done this without you. You have been just incredible. And I'm just so grateful to have met you and to have you on my team. And wow, I'm so proud of what we just did.
6: Well, I always say that Paris is the spark and really the seed that has made this movement grow. And I mean, we we have really done such incredible work and you are the most powerful voice in this movement. So I'm very proud of you.
3: Thank you. I'm so proud of us. Just was such a dream come true. Just seeing all of that happen, like it just literally felt like a dream. Like I couldn't believe it. And I just can't imagine just how happy and excited, you know, the kids, obviously, I don't know if a lot of them will even know about it because they're cut off from the outside world, but I'm sure if other kids go in there or if there's parents who are pulling them out because of it, they're going to hear about this. And um, it's just going to make a difference in so many children's lives.
6: It speaks to the power of storytelling and using a platform to help raise awareness, because I think without that and without, you know, your voice and standing up for what was right, so many others wouldn't have had the opportunity to do so.
3: Yeah, it's pretty incredible when you can really turn your pain into a purpose.
6: I think in today's day and age where social movements are such a part of culture and being a part of a community that cares for a specific cause has so much meaning within society that celebrities or you know anybody with a platform that speaks out, it has such a direct impact on that community. Without Paris validating so many other survivors' experiences, we wouldn't have this ripple effect that this movement is having. Um, And, you know, it's very clear because it hadn't happened before. And this troubled teen industry has been around for so many decades with progress along the way, 100%. But when she came out, that's what made this bill happen. And from the start of this movement back in September, and we planned a rally in October that brought the community together and helped raise awareness to where we were standing, on behalf of the thousands of survivors who are still in facilities in Utah, who are experiencing restraint and seclusion and all of the all of these things. I mean, I think it was just an incredible, meaningful moment that showed the power of a celebrity who uses their platform for good. And I just hope in today's day and age and culture that we continue to see that momentum of people standing up for what's right and for what they believe in.
3: I totally agree with that. I think it's so important when you have a voice and you have a platform to really use it for what you believe in and for what's right. And that's something that I just recently learned because, you know, what I went through was so traumatic and so just terrible and terrifying to even think about that I never wanted anyone to know that story. And like I told you before, when I got out of there. I just, I made a promise to myself that I was never, ever going to think about it, talk about it, tell anyone. And it was just going to be my secret forever. And, you know, I'm so grateful now that I did tell my story and doing my documentary. And I really just am grateful to Alex Dean, who's the director of This Is Paris, because she's the one who really pushed me and I was—I didn't want to talk about it. I kept saying to her, no, this is not my story. I don't want anyone to know. This is embarrassing. And I was just so ashamed. And I think that's something that these places do to the kids. They want you to feel ashamed. And they want you to believe that no one's going to believe you. And people are going to think you're crazy. And I think that's why they've gotten away with it for so many years. Because they've just scared people into saying anything. And, um, you know, I've realized now as I'm an adult that... You know, I'm not the one who should be ashamed. These people who work at and run these places are the ones who should be ashamed of themselves.
6: What's so beautiful about it, too, is that there's a whole new community that you, you know, hadn't related to in 20 years that has opened you, opened up their hearts um, to you and to your platform. And, you know, the power of relating to those who have similar experiences, I think, is. Really profound in the way of, you know, this is a new community for you who loves you and will support you forever.
3: I love them so much too. I've made so many amazing friends. Just feel like this community is so strong and brave and resilient. And it's just amazing, just the support I've received. Because when I released my documentary I had no idea how the world was going to react I was so scared and so nervous and I was like oh my god like I've worked so hard to you know build this perfect life and this like fairy tale and now like everyone's gonna like know what really happened to me and I was just blown away by the response like all the letters that you sent me from like thousands of survivors in this whole community and it's just amazing just hearing people say, like, thank you so much for telling your story. Cause now I'm finally being believed, and just having families reunite and people who haven't spoken to their families in so long. And then their families saw the movie and then they finally believe. So it's just, it blows my mind that just by me telling my story has made such a huge impact. And now I no longer feel alone because for so many years, I just felt like no one understood me. I felt alone. I was just like, It was hard to even comprehend what I had been through because when I think about it and when I talk about it out loud, it's like, how could this actually happen? Like, how can people treat children like this and abuse them? It's just so wrong and so disgusting. And um, now I know I'm not alone. This This has been happening for decades and it continues to happen today. And that's why I really wanted to use my voice and say something because if I didn't, I don't know who would. And now, you know, it's just, it's like this whole movement and it's, it's really amazing. And I'm so happy to have met up with the Breaking Code Silence and just everyone who's working with them. It's just, thats really amazing. And I feel like in life, I've done a lot of things I'm proud of, but this by far is the thing I'm most proud of.
6: I also think it was the perfect time for you to share your story because in society, people support and believe and validate survivors, no matter what type of survivor that they are. Senator Sarah Gelser from Oregon had this quote that I want to recite, and it was, survivors are the experts. Lawmakers are there to hold up the megaphone. And I thought that was just the most amazing quote and really captivated everything that we've been doing, that The Utah lawmakers gave you the platform to share your story, to speak your truth, and to say, you know, what you didn't receive in those facilities and then make those changes now. And then they made that happen for you.
3: I love Sarah. I'm so happy that she came to support us yesterday. And just speaking with her at dinner, she was saying that, you know, before my documentary came out, that she was talking about this and she was fighting for this and that people thought she was crazy. People, no one believed her. The people she was working with were like, you're exaggerating and literally did not believe her. And then um, when my documentary came out and all these people started coming forward, then she was even validated and she's a senator. So it's just like if they're not even going to believe her. So, um, yeah, I had no idea that this film would have such an impact, but it's really true that the truth shall set you free.
6: I love that. And I really believe in the power of the masses that your platform has given everybody a place where they can share their stories with the hashtag breaking code silence and ICU survivor. And without that, um, we wouldn't be able to have the progress that we've made that you know, we really need the people on the ground who are experiencing this to come forward. And you've given them the ability to do that.
3: I couldn't be prouder. And then also when I was talking to Representative Brammer, He was saying, if you didn't do this and you didn't come here and speak, this wouldn't have been passed. It's like, because of you, this happened because you're the one who shines such a light on it, so bright that they just couldn't ignore it anymore. Because he's like, this is a multi-billion dollar industry. So a lot of people just want to ignore it. They don't want to even think about it. They don't want anyone talking about it, but you just would not stop. You just kept talking about it and all of you working together. And this is why it happened because if it wasn't for you, there's no way this would have been passed. This bill is going to change so many children's lives. Can you tell our listeners what this bill entails?
6: So SB 127 is the first regulation in 15 years that addresses this industry, which is huge because we haven't had anybody come in and try and fix the problems in Utah for kids. What we know is that there are about 6,000 kids in facilities in Utah right now, and that this law will protect them. So the specifics of what this bill will do is that it bans the use of chemical and mechanical restraint. They are not allowed to inject kids' with medication that sedates them or restricts their movement. That is huge because without that oversight, we don't know what's happening to these kids in these facilities. It also bans seclusion, which is something that Paris went through Mm -hmm. and was very traumatizing for her and the entire survivor community. So a facility cannot put a kid in a locked room alone at all anymore, which is a huge win for us. In addition, Paris was not able to speak to her family unmonitored. And that's really dangerous because these kids don't have the ability to then speak to the outside world to tell them what's going on. And so now youth have mandated unmonitored communication with their family or with protection agencies who are there to make sure that these kids' rights are being followed and that they're safe. There's a bunch of other things that the bill does, such as increases the number of inspections. So now we have outside people coming into the facilities to make sure that the youth are safe and that the facility is in livable condition and that there are no seclusion rooms and whatnot, um, this is really important so that we can have that transparency and accountability for these facilities. And if any of them break these rules, then they will be unlicensed and they will not be able to take care of children. This bill does currently only affect youth who are in residential facilities in Utah so what our plan is, is to go to the federal level, and we will also be enacting laws in all 50 states to make sure that youth are protected across the nation. What we know is that this industry does affect all 50 states. This is not solely a problem in Utah, and we want to make that really clear, but we want to use Utah as an example and a model for how states can see a problem and then do something good about it.
3: I wish those laws were in place back when I was a teenager. Like, unmonitored calls would be so important. Just, I remember back in the day, anytime I'd be on the phone with my parents, there would always be a staff member listening, and if I even said one negative thing, they would scream, go crazy, hang up the phone, I'd have my phone privileges taken away, I would get sent into solitary confinement, abused and punished just for telling my parents that I was being abused. So it was just so hard to ever tell my parents anything because they literally listened to every call and it just taught me that I couldn't say anything. And, you know, even with letters, I'd be writing a letter and just trying to describe what was happening and they would rip them up and go crazy and uh, again, just get punished for that. So there was no possible way for your families to even know what was happening. So this is going to be so huge. It's so important. And I'm so happy that they put that into the bill. And thank God they're having unannounced visits. I think that's so important because usually they would know. So they would hide kids. They would pretend everything's perfect, telling everyone to smile. And they always knew because they would get a call before just to like make sure everything looked perfect. And, you know, now to know that they're going to be having so many more of these visits and they're not going to be announced, that's another very important thing that needs to happen. So it's just, yeah, I am just, I'm so thrilled. I like, I just can't believe it.
6: These kids' human rights are being violated within these facilities. And so all we can ask for right now is for that increased data and understanding of what's happening, because I think when that happens... And what we saw with the lawmakers was that a lot of them didn't know what was happening. And so if we can just increase the amount of awareness and education of what's happening in these facilities, knowing how many restraints are being used, knowing what the kids are being injected with in terms of medication, and then also what the outcomes are after, which I think is really critical, especially as we're talking about youth from juvenile justice and child welfare, special education, and now migrant youth are being housed in these facilities. And so once we get that increased understanding through reporting and through these additional laws that we're putting in place, I think we're going to have a really good idea of where we need to go.
3: So Utah is just the first step because this is not only happening in Utah, it's happening in so many other states. So the next steps starts to take this to the federal arena. So basically in all 50 states, we're going to make this happen. And I think we can do it.
6: Yeah, we've had incredible reception at the federal level for our Child Abuse Prevention for Youth in Congregate Care Act. And we're really looking forward to the next few months where we're going to have additional momentum. And ideally, we will have a bill introduced in the Senate.
3: And just like I promised back in September, I don't care how long it takes or what I have to do. I'm not going to stop fighting until I make sure that every child is safe. Thanks for listening to This is Paris.